young people are so stressed out and we need expert advice for how to help them. We've got an expert here today to help us, a pastoral counselor and homeschooling dad, the great Tom Weishar is here to share the top five psychological issues facing young people today. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today I'm delighted to have as my guest Tom Weishar here to talk about the top five psychological issues facing young people today. Tom Weishar, MALPC, is a pastoral counselor with the Pastoral Solutions Institute, who is passionate about homeschooling. He works with Catholics around the world who are dealing with mental health issues ranging from anxiety, depression, trauma, relationship issues, and more. As an advisor on the Catholic Home app, he helps Catholic families develop skills to build the domestic church, the family. Tom lives in Steubenville, Ohio, with his wife, Jackie, and their three children. And you can find Tom at CatholicCounselors.com, and I have that link in the show notes. You can also find the Catholic Home app in the show notes, and that's something really super special that's being innovated to bring Catholic families together. It's just so exciting, everything that you're doing. Welcome back to the program, Tom. Thanks so much, Lisa, and it's a joy to be here. And what you said is exactly true that young people are more stressed out than ever. And I do have the joy of speaking individually and collectively with people about stress, anxiety, and all kinds of things all the time. Now, I do want to confide in you and everybody who's listening, though, that there are plenty of times where I say to my wife, man, I'm more stressed out than ever. So if you're stressed as a parent, please know that I, that I, I, I do have many good moments, but in those tough moments, I'm uh, just as stressed out as the next parent, we're going to have so many good things toward dealing with stress, anxiety, so many other things. And, um, you know, Lisa, it's great to be here and to connect with you. You practice Carmelite spirituality. I practice the Franciscan Marian spirituality. So we've invited Marian and we're going to handle some more difficult topics today. But I, I think we're going to do it from a real angle of Marian joy. And maybe even have a few few unexpected surprises along the day the way. So I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, amen. And Mary's spouse of the Holy Spirit here with us amen. and drawing all the creativity and inspiration that we need. So so why don't you go ahead and just name what are the top five psychological issues our young people are facing today? Because I know some of our readers are already going, there's got to be this on the list. There's got to be that on the list. So let's hear your top five. I know that's and that's the challenge. It's it's choosing five. That's <laughs> that's exactly right. It's not it's not tough to come up with five. Um, and uh, so I'll give you a little overview on um, on format stuff. And first of all, for anybody who's listening today, I just want to commend you that these are some of the more difficult topics to talk about out there. And you're obviously listening because you really care about this, either in your life, your spouse's life, or in the lives of your children. And God bless you, because it's a lot easier, and I hear about it all the time, that people almost kind of 
turn away when they encounter some of these issues because they are a bit more difficult to uh, to address. So God bless everyone out there for having the courage to not turn away and to turn toward instead and to really address some of these things. Um, so I'm going to be talking about anxiety and emotional regulation, about depression, um, about uh, uh, body image and eating disorder issues, gender and sexuality and trauma. I'm going to, um, under each of those umbrellas, I'm going to work in some other stuff that might even be a little more tangential. And for each of them, I am going to talk about what it looks like, what causes it, and how to treat it. So we're going to have a lot of good things in there. And for unsuspected surprises, so you know, um, I'm going to be talking about how leaving a cult teaches you a lot about how, how to help teens deal with anxiety, how um, uh, uh, in terms of dealing with uh, depression, one of the best theologians in the world has an awful lot to say about how to help teens deal with depression. Um, when it comes to eating disorders, how my wife has the antidote to uh, helping people overcome eating disorder issues, um, how C.S. Lewis teaches us a ton about gender and sexuality. And finally, um, there's going to be a surprise philosopher who's going to make a, an appearance when we talk about trauma. So a lot of good things to come. Oh, I love it. I just love how rich our Catholic faith is, that we can drop anchor all over the place in just such good people, good minds, good hearts, good love of God. So let's start with number one, with anxiety and emotional regulation. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, it's really broad ranging. Um, it's one of the most common things that I work with teens on. It can be everything from panic attacks to generalized anxiety, social anxiety, um, kids getting really nervous about getting out there in social situations. Uh, and then in, in uh, especially with emotional regulation issues in the most extreme cases, self-harm. Um, and self-harm does come up uh, a fair amount. Um, what causes it? You know, there can definitely be a nature component. So if anxiety runs in the family, you're way more likely to have it. In the case of panic attacks, self-harm, sometimes suicide ideation even, um, those very, very strongly can run in the family. So if there's any family history and things like that, it's really important to be aware of that. Um, and then, uh, of course, there's there are a lot of things, as any parent can tell you, right? There are a lot of things out there that can, in, in the nurture side of things, that can stress us all out, right? And so we've got um, kids in um, a relationship, first of all, a distant relationship with parents. So connection is very related to anxiety. The, the more connected a child is to her or his parents, the less likely they are to be anxious. So parental connection is a big thing. Um, distant relationships with parents really increase the likelihood of anxiety. Um, problematic issues with friends, huge, you know, especially among um, young females. Um, one of the most common things I hear from women in their 20s and 30s is that um, from the age of about five to the age of about uh, 18, most women have had about four or five best friends who they show up at school one day 
And sometimes with no explanation, the best friend just leaves and just ghosts them. And that can be a huge cause of anxiety. And then, um, uh, of course, we have technology. One of the big key, key themes is going to be screens and how, how um, limiting screen time with children is, um, it, it, you know, a really, really great idea in so many ways. And um, uh, it's not always possible to totally do it. So, you know, I understand. Hey, we've got to go with what's realistic. But the more you can limit and monitor screen time, boy, it does wonders. Um, so then we get into um, how to treat it. And in terms of how to treat, um, there's going to be developing an internal sense of identity. I'm going to go a lot deeper with that. Um, but uh, emotional regulation, becoming more aware of the feelings you are feeling and sharing them with yourself and others and having a sense of hey, it's okay to have feelings, even tough feelings like anger or sadness or frustration. It's okay. It's human to have those feelings. It's all about how you process those and what you do with those. Um, rituals of connection with family, spending good quality time with your family, uh, especially with dad, um, can be um, particularly effective in, in decreasing anxiety. Um, and then uh, fostering a community and even being aware of our thoughts in addressing problem thoughts. So, um, you know, Lisa, I know that you do a ton of really exciting things with um, life coaching, you know, when it, when it comes to anxiety, um, or, or just as, as a parent and someone who's, who's out there, um, in the homeschooling world so much too, do you have any, any kind of thoughts or reflections on anxiety? Oh, thank you for that. I think we just all need someone to listen to us sometimes. And, and often teens only open up when we're in the midst of an activity like doing dishes together or pulling weeds. They don't necessarily want face-to-face -face time, but maybe it's drive time or something like that. But one of the things as a coach that I notice is that when someone's showing anxiety, when I can hear it in them, I might, I might just notice it with them, you know? It's that that sounded like an anxious statement or what was the feeling underneath that mm. and when they start to become aware of it and say it out loud sometimes there's a little bit of tears as they just release it but then they feel so much better they feel so much more present and in their own skin sometimes they need a chance to acclimate to the moment and so being asked and just you know and i think of what you said too about thoughts being aware of your thoughts taking thoughts captive as scripture says to just have someone that really listens so that you know many many different learning styles and different ways that God has wired us need to process either out loud or in writing in order to even understand and clarify thinking. And so we being there for each other, being there. Amen, Lisa. And what I love about what you're saying is you're not just talking about great life coaching, but you're talking about great parenting. And that's something that Greg Popcheck, my boss, is particularly fired up about. And I'll talk about the Catholic Home app in a little bit. But one of the big things in the authentic model for Catholic parenting are exactly techniques that you've talked about, which are um, really empathizing, you know, picking up on the fact like, hey, something's wrong with my child and asking about it and then giving that child a chance to emote even. And sometimes little brains and little systems are like computers. And, and when they get upset enough, it's like they've lost their Wi-Fi. You know, the computer has no Wi-Fi. It's not online. And you need to give them that chance to emote and to express 
and then get through that. And then you can engage with them in really effective ways and even talk to them about what they're thinking, what might be good solutions to their issues and things like that. So I, yeah. I love what you're talking about. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. And if I may just very rapidly interject it. one other piece for parents listening. You and I are trained listeners. And what we do is ask questions. So when a teenager comes into the room yelling and screaming and angry, instead of fighting back and putting them in their place, it might be better just to ask questions, you know. What's going on? How are you feeling? Where, you know, where did it begin? Or whatever that might be. And suddenly they're telling you what's really bothering them instead of just blowing up generally. Amen. Yes, yes. And it's all about, you know, your, who you are in a communication when you're parenting. And who you can't be is somebody who is too frustrated, too upset. Even if you want to be too frustrated and too upset, you have to be aware of your emotional state and keep yourself at that that kind of like steady or just a little bit above steady or lower that if you escalate, all the kids are going to hear is the frustration. Um, whereas if you can, even though it's tough, I know how it is, they push you. If you can <laughs> keep yourself in that in that productive space internally, you can be calm and be effective, just like you're talking about. And ask, instead of, you know, losing your temper, you're going to ask the good questions and it's actually going to go somewhere. And it all hinges on, on where you're keeping yourself and then what you're doing. Um, and uh, that actually kind of leads into my first uh, kind of uh, a surprise anecdote, which is that it doesn't happen a lot, but every once in a while, I work with people who are leaving cults. And um, so uh, when someone's leaving a cult, it's a very interesting thing. You know, know, cults, cults do the usual culty things. They take all your stuff. They tell you what to do. They tell you who God is. They tell you who you are. They handle everything, right? And I talk to people about leaving a cult. And what what they say to me is, well, I have this dream and I'd love to go do that. I say, that's great. You should go do it. And they'll all say, I can't do it because if I left the cult, I would cease to exist. That's what they say, because so much of their identity is tied up in what other people are telling them about themselves. All that identity is tied up outside of themselves. So the key for somebody leaving a cult is to have an internally focused sense of identity. I know who I am. I know what God is calling me to do. So I don't need your cult anymore and I can leave it. But the most interesting thing about working with people leaving cults is what happens in the sessions after I talk to those people, where I talk to person after person after person. And it becomes very clear that to a certain extent, we're all in a cult. To a certain extent, we all have our identity housed way too much outside of ourselves. We might say, well, I'd like to do that in my life. Well, what would other people think about that, though? And it holds us back. Well, I'd like to spend more time with my family. Oh, no, I need to pro- I need to achieve this in my professional life. Um, and so all these this external stuff is is driving things. And the key for kids, the key for ourselves, the key for everybody is to have an internal sense of identity. And you can help your kid develop that by saying, hey, what are the great things about you? And then say, you know what? I noticed something interesting. All these other things you're worrying about in your life and that you're rushing around to, you know what? They 
don't take anything away from that, that you don't need any of that stuff to be who you are. So you can be a lot more calm and a lot more confident because we're human beings, not human doings made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. And in our high productivity value culture, the doing, 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 and the having, having, you know, all the comparisons makes people so disconnected from themselves and so anxious. So thank you for coming back to that place of being, that God loves us right where we are. We don't have to be. In fact, it's kind of an insult and kind of a uh, self-sufficiency, isn't it? It can even tend towards, without meaning to, a sinful attitude of it all depends on me. And, and we translate that to our kids, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, yes. Amen. So, so well said, Lisa. And we always have to be careful, um, you know, that when we're looking at our kids, we have to ask that that question, which is a hard question. It's a hard question for any of us to ask. Hey, my child is struggling right now. Is my child struggling because I am struggling right now? Mm. And to, to take a look at that, because mom and dad need to have mom and dad flourishing and then the children flourish and not and not the other way around. And um, as a matter of fact, one of the negative fruits of mom and dad not flourishing and not being in a good place can be the second thing which I'm going to talk about, which is depression. He says with very joy, depression. Um, so uh, I, it's you know very common. I see it a lot in um, in younger populations. And um, one thing parents, I'm going to talk about what it looks like. One thing, thing parents really need to keep in mind is that depression in teens can look a lot more upbeat than you would expect it to look. That especially if depression runs in your family, um, there is an element of it where the depressed person, person uh, depressed teen can almost be paranoid and um, really hide the fact that they are depressed. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about what to do about that in a little bit. Um, the depression can be cyclical. Um, so if you have a, a child who has cyclical depression, you know it might just be about four days to a week a month that they fall into it. It could also be generalized. So you know it's, it's more like a day-to-day, -day, day -day, week-to-week. Again, maybe, of course, they're not going to come out and tell you they're depressed, but maybe they're more mopey. Maybe they're less interested in things that they usually make. One huge thing that you have to, to keep an ear out for um, is, which I love, you already got this a little bit, Lisa, in the anxiety section, is comments, comments from the kid. Whether the kid seems depressed or not, they will slip in comments. If you're listening, you're going to hear things like, oh, well, it's not, it's not worth it anyway. Why would I try it that? Or, oh, everybody hates me anyway. Um, or even sometimes they'll say it really matter of fact, they'll say some negative things. Like, you know, sometimes I wish I was, I, I think I'd be better off dead or I'd be better off not trying. You know, sometimes I hear about some real, they say it naturally, but the comment is in there. So to keep, to keep an ear out for the comment is big. Um, you know, what causes depression? Family history, big indicator. Um, so if it runs in the family, keep an extra eye and ear out for it. But negative self-image, comparing yourself to people on the internet, you know, screen time, 
may come up every single time I talk about anything, um, <laughs> you know, by, by comparing yourself to peers, um, disconnection with others, disconnection, disconnection with parents, um, distant relationships with uh, family and friends. Um, the more we're connected to people, the less anxious we are, the less depressed we are, the better we are at um, expressing and processing our feelings, the less depressed we are. And um, having realistic expectations for ourselves and uh, things like that also very, very healthy for um, avoiding depression. Yeah, um, Tom, and, as a homeschool yeah. mom, I just want to throw something out there. And that is that a lot of homeschoolers teach their children from a young age to be part of the family and to pitch in. And I've often gotten the impression through some reading that children having a role to play where they're valued within the family system, too, can help them to have a stronger self-image. Oh, that is dynamite. And that actually it leads me right into I was going to talk about what you do to treat it. And that's actually one of the things that you do. And that's right there in Greg's model and the Catholic Church's model for parenting under rituals of family connection that the family needs to play, work, talk, and pray together. So um, if you want to avoid depression in the first place, or if it's showing up and you want to work with it, play, talk, work, and pray together as a family. And the more the child is integrated to a ha uh, a happy functional family and has a sense of identity and has a sense of purpose, um, it can be an absolute game changer. Um, you know, and then uh, a lot of the other things are mindset, having an outlook, outlook of hope is very much a, a faith component, a Catholic, Catholic uh, component of things. Um, and I, again, that, that sense of identity, especially people going through the teens, um, a lot of the time, Depression results from this sense of, I don't know who I am, so I couldn't possibly have a sense of what I need to be doing day to day. So if you can get that person to the better place with who they are, then um, it can do wonders. And one, the, the surprising thing here um, I actually comes from a great Catholic theologian, one of the best scripture scholars in the world, John Bergsma gives, I don't know if it's still out there, he gives a great um, uh, homeschooling talk. He did it for a homeschooling conference on parenting, and he talks about the importance of one-on-one -on -one, um, interactions and activities with your teens, that um, if you want to uncover depression or any other major problem with your kids, one of the big things you can do is get dedicated one-on-one -on -one time, try and spend like 30 minutes to an hour with them. But, but before that time is over, check in with them and say, hey, what's really going on? And um, he, God bless him. He acknowledges himself that there were times when he's been really surprised by the answer he's heard. And mm -hmm. I, think, I think there are a lot of times where parents make that effort. They're going to be surprised by what they're hearing, too. So that dedicated one-on-one -on -one time and then really ask that question, hey, what's, what's really going on with you? Mm, yeah, 
So good. Thank you so much, Tom. This is just so rich and so important in our times. Our times are difficult and parents are really leaning into information as best they can. We're all overwhelmed. And I love how simply and straightforwardly you're presenting each of these, how to identify what you notice, how to speak into it, how we can help and support our kids. Everybody, we're going to be right back with Tom Weishar after a very short break. And we're talking about the top five psychological issues that are affecting our kids today. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. All right, we're back with Tom Weishar talking about the top five psychological issues that face our kids today. And let's get on to number three. Take us to the next Number topic. three is body images, uh, body image issues and eating disorders. And, you know, what does it look like, right? You can have um, anorexia and bulimia in the more extreme cases. So, you know, somebody really starving themselves or um, binging at times and then vomiting. Um, or uh, in lighter cases, it can just be kind of like self-obsessing. In a lot of, of teenage females, um, in particular, have that kind of uh, a body image issue where it doesn't rise to the level of an eating disorder, but they have a really negative self-image. And what's causing it? You know, number one, screen time. You know, the more you're seeing perfected images, whether it's ads on the internet. Um, YouTube influencers or any pick, pick your social media influencer or Instagram, super perfected, airbrushed looking stuff, right? It's not going to help. Um, and I, another big thing is unstable family environments really can cause body image and eating issues because uh, the kid's going to start grasping for control. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's saying I can't control anything else in my life. But I can control what's going into my body um, and, um, you know, anything I do about my weight. So this is my way of getting a sense of control in my life. Um, the more you're comparing, um, the more likely you're, you are to have body image issues. Of course, self-esteem, uh, issues with self-worth, that kind of thing um, can really play a role. Um, and I, I, how to treat it, what to do about it. You know, I keeping an eye on your thoughts, um, I developing a positive self-image, learning one's value as a person, right? My value isn't just this this physical component. Uh, and understanding the sacredness of the body can, as Catholics, can be a really healthy, good part of that. Um, and then uh, my uh, surprising thing is again, because so much of this is about control, you want to replace the bad behavior with something else that's going to give the kid a sense of control. And um, the surprise mm. is that my wife has one of the great antidotes to preventing body image issues and eating disorders in the first place, which is in addition to limiting screen time, um, she, uh, she also has a really, really structured routine for our whole family. And structure gives the day a sense of order and predictability. Mm in a way that undermines um, this, this um, sense of lack of control that can lead to body image issues and eating disorders. So, you know, getting a good 
structured, healthy routine with lots of human connection in it. Um, absolute dynamite. Yeah, so good. I really appreciate that that's need for control that kids have. It, there's so many things pinging around in my brain about this, but I think we all recognize, like some of our homeschools are very um, structured, like your wife's, um, but some of us are not very good at creating that structure. And so it might become a family project where we say, what kind of, you know, because different kinds of kids in the family, some will take to structure more. What kind of structures could we make so that our, our day feels better? Or I don't know, it just seems like an opportunity for a conversation. If the parent is not herself or himself particularly gifted at creating structure, maybe the family brainstorms some, some segments of the day or some touch points together. Amen. You know, and I know people even up to the level of unschooling who still have a sense of structure and order in the day. So it's it's not a matter of, um, you know, your homeschooling approach so much, even as it is saying, hey, how can we intentionally plan our days to make sure that we're doing a good job connecting with one another and that there are these more predictable times of the day where everybody's needs can get met. Um, and uh, so, you know, whatever your style is, it's uh, it's it's just a really good, really healthy approach to have. Mm, yeah, it's so good, so good. Really appreciate all of that. Um, yeah. So, shall we move on to number four? We will go for number four. We've got gender and sexuality, very very hot hot button topics. You know, and what can it what can it look like? Um, you know, it can be more pronounced. Usually, stuff with it is gonna is gonna surface. Um, you know, it's not gonna stay totally. Uh, suppressed, um, especially nowadays, um, you know, with you've got kind of this dual thing with the culture and the internet that creates awareness and kids are even going out there and almost self-diagnosing themselves in really unhealthy ways on the net. And then if you do send the kids to away school, you know, there are all kinds of like clubs and groups and, and stuff like that. But even sometimes in a, a homeschooling co-op, you have to keep an eye out for it. Obviously, there's probably not going to be like a club or a group, but you do have to keep keep an eye out on like, hey, just let me be aware of what's going on with my kids and their peers. And, um, you know, like, know, know that there's not some stuff going on that you wouldn't want going on. Um, so um, gender is more of an issue now than ever. You know, it used to be that people were just uh, leaning toward, um, you know, making gay sex choices. And now it's it's much more um, genders getting really into the mix um, because of the culture, the Internet, all that, all that stuff. Um, what causes it? Access to the Internet. Number one, by a landslide. Um, if you if you have a distant relationship with your parents where you feel disconnected from them, it, it does. It's a common theme in a lot of the, the families I talk to, um, you know, distance, especially with the father. Um, sometimes with the mother, um, increasingly, um, you know, it used to be among older people who I've worked with, I've worked with the olders and the youngers, um, there were family issues in almost every single instance. Nowadays, as they're getting younger, I am seeing more of what you'd think of as like that horror story out there where mom and dad even seem to be in a pretty good place, but the kid got out there with the net and with peers and stuff's, stuff's happening. Um, so how to how to treat it? You don't want to go directly at it. Once a kid um, self diagnoses in these ways, 
it's a mindset. It's actually similar to the cult mindset that I have to deal with sometimes where there are kill switches. If you directly go at it, it's not going to work. So you want to build really good rituals of connection with dad. You want to remove kids as much as possible from bad peer influences. Um, Hammer things on the emotional and the uh, philosophical, theological level. Understand truth, beauty, and goodness is a huge thing. It's kind of like planting seeds that over time um, really cause issues with uh, living that sort of life later on. Um, and uh, that's our, our surprising guy, C.S. Lewis, right? He's got the four loves. And um, you can walk your kids through these, these four loves, the, the store day or affection, philia, the friendly love, eros, the physical love. Um, we've got agape, the divine love, and really help kids understand what each of these different loves are about. A lot of, a lot of what the world is trying to do is trying to convince uh, kids that philia, this friendly love, is eros, the romantic love. And if you really walk your kids through, well, with what you're feeling, is that, you know, it almost sounds more like philia to me than it does like eros. Isn't that an interesting thing? And that's a really, really good indirect way to kind mm -hmm. of go after things. Yes, yes. And and I, I love that you keep bringing it back to good goodness, truth, and beauty, because those seeds that we plant in our children do bear fruit. And I feel like the enemy, our spiritual enemy, through all of this diabolic cultish indoctrination of our kids, which it is takes away their agency more and more. Oh, I can't help it. I'm just this way. Or I, or I don't feel special because I'm an anxious teen and this will make me special. If I identify in this particular way, it gains me acceptance into the club. So there's a lot of influences. I love what you said about going into that place of goodness, truth, and and beauty, they know then that there's this sanctuary. They sense that there's a difference about when they're with the people who love them, who speak truth into their lives, and when they're with, out there just getting in lockstep and they don't quite feel right inside. Amen. Well said. And we can't, you know, it can be very uncomfortable, but we can't, it can be tempting to almost attack or think that maybe there's some intellectual argument we can make that's going to lift these kids out of it. And it's got to be in relationship. And um, you, you, there can also be the temptation to just ignore it and, and be like, this makes me really uncomfortable. Or maybe my spouse will handle this, right? And it's got to be a team effort among the spouse uh, spouses. It's a whole family effort. and You can't leave the kid just sitting in it. Yeah, amen and amen. And and of course, everybody listening here knows also the rosary and fasting and all the things because this is a spiritual battle, right? It's huge. Amen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't even get there, but limiting screen time and porn, which is another big, big sexuality issue, limit the screen time, you know, computers only in public spaces. But if the kid falls into it, fasting, great weapon against the flesh there. Yeah. All right. Now we just have a few minutes because you have some place to be, Tom. So I want to honor yeah. your time. We have one um, more and, topic. Yeah, we go got there. trauma. And, um, you know, trauma can be so many different things. It doesn't necessarily need to be some real pronounced thing. What it's going to look like is kids can be anxious and preoccupied. They may act out. They may make bad decisions. They may seek refuge and distraction in unhealthy romantic relationships. Um, and uh, what causes it? You know, it can be everything from emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, being catfished on the internet. Another great, great reason to limit that screen time. Um, but uh, 
the, uh, uh, you know, really on the emotional abuse side, it's noteworthy. It doesn't need to be this really pronounced thing. And you can see some trauma stuff sometimes. The only way out of trauma is to go back through it. So the best thing you can do if you pick up on a trauma is to get that kid into counseling, to be honest. Um, you know, like I'd say that's that's number one there. But, um, you know, obviously to um, walk them through things emotionally, to meet them where they're at, to try and build your own relationship and prop them up from there, give them good tools. Um, that's a big thing with trauma. And my uh, surprise philosopher is the great philosopher, Michael Tyson, who once said, everybody's got a plan till he gets punched in the face. And what trauma does is you can have this really great, beautiful, amazing plan for your family. And then out of nowhere, the trauma is going to come and it's going to punch your family in the face. And it's kind of like, hey, this happened. What do we do about it? All we do about it is not nothing, which I tragically hear about sometimes. It's like, no, we're going to get the kid counseling. We're going to we're going to work on building this kid up We're we're not just going to let trauma sit. Bad stuff happens when you let trauma sit. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Tom. And also, every parent is probably thinking, you know, I, I think I might have something in my family or my extended family or somebody we know. And and I can think of one resource. Where would you send them to start to find the right kind of counselor for their child? Amen. Um, so we've got CatholicCounselors.com, which is I, I, Greg's in my group. Um, it, it, he runs it. I just I just work there. I don't want to make it sound. But, but Greg and Lisa Popcheck run CatholicCounselors.com. Great resource. Um, but you can check out, you know, your local Catholic charities or other places, too, for outright counseling stuff. Um, Greg has the Catholic Home App. That's Catholic H-O-M, which gives you the whole um, model for uh, uh, the Catholic family in there. Um, and uh, so many good things. The right of Christian relationship where uh, uh, kids are able to be formed in loving discipleship in the family. Uh, the rituals of family connection which are all about playing, talking, working, and praying together as a family in the right of reaching out, reaching out together as a group. But you get into this app, you learn all about it. There are instructional things that you can do for your family to help them flourish. And then um, there are discussion boards. So you are able to um, get expert support right in there as well as some, some fellowship from other families out there as well on what to do as a, a family that's over at the Catholic Home app, Catholic HOM. Yeah, and that's in the show notes, everybody. Um, we need to let you go, Tom, but anything you want to leave us with, final thoughts? Yeah, yeah, this is this is the the biggest thing. You know, limit the screen. Well, it's multiple biggest things because I'm ranty. But limit the screen time. Don't just let problems sit. Take that active interest in your kids on the positive level every day. And if you do that, these issues are way less likely to show up in the first place. And I'll tell you, I work with uh, families where uh, kids are adopted or uh, maybe it's a second marriage. And um, those kids in those families are so loved by that parent who is not their biological parent. And I've seen parents after affairs and after the child comes out of an affair, love that child, sacrifice for that child even though that child is a very reminder of the betrayal and the affair. And it is one of the most beautiful, moving, transcendent things that I have ever seen. And I have seen parents in biological families where they've always been married, acting like the kids are hardly there, 
acting like the kids are a problem, acting like the kids are a nuisance. And the Catholic teaching is that the biological in parenting is sacred and set aside for God. The greatest level of parenting is spiritual motherhood and spiritual fatherhood. And that's what those people are doing who are sacrificing for and loving children who are not even theirs. And that's what biological parents are not doing when they neglect or when they act like their their kids are problems. So if you want the one biggest takeaway of all, it is be a spiritual parent. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. You give me the holy shivers. Everybody, thank you so much for being with us. Always love having you on the show, Tom. You're always so full of enthusiasm and great insights. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a joy, Lisa. Salve. God bless you. I'm praying for blessings for you in my rosary. Thank you. Appreciate that. Everybody who's listening, we're praying for you too. Please pray for us and have a beautiful day in the Lord. Amen. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.